Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a successful business, I've met directly or indirectly many successful people from entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes someone successful? Do we even know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create it for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Matthew Blamai was born and raised in Harare, Zimbabwe, before his family moved to Botswana, where they lived for four years. They then moved to the UK in 2003, where Matt still lives with his wife and two daughters. He's completed a public services course at the local college, as well as playing cricket for Western Supermare Cricket Club first team as an opening bowler. After leaving college, he worked in various jobs and in 2007 was offered a role working at a steel fabrication company. And that's where his story begins. After a life event, of which you're about to hear more, over the next two years, Matt completed both NEB, OSH and forklift instructor qualifications and became a self-employed trainer delivering health and safety courses as well as forklift training. During this period of time, he was contacted by the chairman of Western Supermare Cricket Club and was offered a trial with the England Physically Disabled Cricket Squad. In 2013, he was selected for the squad as a batsman and went on two tours to Dubai and Bangladesh where England became the champions in the first Tri-Nation series. He played for the squad for three years, but had to withdraw due to family and work commitments. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome a terrific chap, somebody who you are going to hear all about, Matt Blamire. Welcome, Matt. Thank you. So uh, not many people, respectfully, will have heard much about you, but they're going to in the next half an hour, and you've got a really fascinating story. So let's start rather cryptically with... Uh, who are you? A little bit about your background, because you're not English, are you? Not originally, you weren't born no. here. So tell us a little bit about where you are born, upbringing, that kind of thing. So I was born in uh, Harare, in Zimbabwe, uh, in 1986, if that's relevant to anything. A youngster. Um, yes, yeah. Um, basically, uh, yeah, so I lived in, lived in Harare um, until I was about 12, 13, uh, before I moved to Plumtree High School. Um, and then I spent sort of three years there. Uh, in, in that time period when I was at Plumtree, um, my parents moved to Botswana and we lived there for four years. Um, so I used to see them sort of every six months or so, travelling backwards and forwards during school holidays and what have you. Um, all through my life played sport, that was the main sort of mainstay throughout uh, uh, my sort of childhood, right from when I was sort of three, four years old. Cricket ball in my hand, um, you know, hockey stick, tennis racket, whatever it was, just played sport. and. Um, took that through all my, my schooling career. Um, I was never massively academic, tried as hard as I could at school, but uh, yes, sport was the mainstay. Um, did a lot of running, um, played a lot of rugby, you know, sort of athletics and whatever. Um, and then after that, once I'd finished high school, I got pulled out early with, with some of the things that were happening in Zimbabwe at the time. Um, so in around 2000, we moved to Botswana. Um, and then in 2003, we moved here to the UK. Um, I was on a trip to the States, was visiting the UK. Um, and on my trip uh, to the UK, I got an email from my parents that we're moving to the UK because obviously 
um, some things that happened back home or what have you. Mm. Botswana is quite a difficult place to live in, um, coupled with the fact that my sister needed surgery because she's a cleft palate, right. um, which made life a little bit difficult money-wise. Um, so my mum and dad made the difficult decision to move over here. Um, so yeah, 2003 I landed in Western Supermare, um, and then they played cricket here at the club uh, 2004. Um, so in a very, I think, brief nutshell, that's my my little story. Yes, because today we're recording this from your sporting home. I am, yeah. So uh, Western Supermare, the place where everyone's only ever been once. So um, is there anything about you we might not know before we get into the, the, the real detail and the reason why you're a guest on this podcast? Yeah, um, well, from an interesting fact point of view. Um, anything at all? I was a horseback safari guide for a few years. Were you? Yeah, wow. in hunting camps and things like that. Um, really loved that. Um, wish we could go back to that life, but obviously now I'm still here in the UK. Yeah. Um, but no, that was, that was really interesting. I uh, got to meet you know, the likes of Prince Harry and people like that because um, he was one of our sort of sponsors of the, of the camp. Yeah. Um, so yeah, interesting. I think that's an interesting fact if you like. It, that is actually. Yeah. How, many of, how many of the lads at the club know about this? Not many. Oh, you're going to get some no. stick now then. Yeah. Um, so obviously a very talented guy. And I suppose that one of the things to pick up on is that, you know, a lot of parents, I know I'm a parent, a lot of parents want their kids to do well academically. But do you necessarily see academia as a really important thing? I mean, clearly you've, you've done very well for yourself. You've had a, had a great life, very interesting, diverse. Um, is, is that important? You know, what, what to you are the keys for success? Because you see lots of people, you've, you've been successful in your own way. Do, do you see that as a really important thing? Or there, is there more to life than pure education, though we accept that it's important? Academics, I think, yes. Um, you need to have a good, a good grounding at school. Um, it was always drilled into me right from obviously I was I was you know uh, sort of crazy or whatever that you need to work hard to aspire to be anything. Um, I didn't grow up necessarily wanting to be a doctor or a lawyer. Um, sport was always my my mainstay, um, but you need something to fall back on. So academia definitely is something that you you need, um, but it isn't the main ingredient to being successful. Um, I think being successful is, is purely down to decisions that you make in life, um, as well as hard work um, and commitment to whatever you, you want to achieve. So if you've, if you've had a life like mine where your life's taken lots of diversions, if you like, that you didn't necessarily foresee, um, committing yourself to, to things and uh, just working as hard as you can, aspiring to be as, as good as you can be at that relevant point in your life that'll lead to some some form of success because i want to pick up on that because 2007 you joined a steel fabrication company and um we'll we'll gap fill in a minute Mm. if we may but you know even after what happened to you in 2009 you still went on and you know completed various qualifications and you've always seen that's quite important you know that that progressive road and journey in life would that would that be fair absolutely yeah so 2009, tell us what happened. You've been working for this company for a couple of years and then quite a lot changed in your life, didn't it? Yeah, 2009, what a year that was. I, I met my now wife um, in the same year and been with her for about six months. Um, just an average day at the, the fabrication company. I was a, a welder and fabricator at the time. Um, uh, basically, I was bringing a steel plate from, uh, from outside, we, we basically prefabricated parts for buildings such as schools and 
uh, hospitals and things like that. So we used to um, bring sheets of steel in to get cleaned. Um, and on this particular day, I was uh, shot blasting some steel plates that were coming in. Um, each of these plates weighs around about a ton, um, measures three meters by two meters, um, 35 mil thick, so it took a decent size. Heavy. Um, and basically what happened was I, I, I lifted up this plate on a, um, using a, a horseshoe clamp, um, and the, the clamp failed, basically. Um, so a ton of weight came down on top of me, luckily landed on my foot. Um, and at the time, I just remember thinking, oh, I can't go camping with Tash this weekend, you know. Um, I thought I'd just broke my foot and, you know, I'd be in the hospital and get it fixed and be on a cast and that'd be fine. Um, anyway, got rushed to hospital. Um, uh, had four uh, surgeries uh, in Bristol. Um, and then I got to a point where I actually had my first surgery in Weston. Um, really, really good surgeon. Um, did his best to, to save the flesh and the bone within my foot, um, but could, couldn't do any more than that. So I had four further surgeries at uh, Bristol. And the surgeon came in and basically said, look, you've got two choices. Um, we can continue to operate, um, but the likelihood is that you're gonna lose flesh from other parts of your body, like your back. Um, to try and obviously instill some blood vessels and, and reconstruct your foot, but it's going to take a few years to do that. Or we can amputate. Um, initially, I was shocked. I was like, well, you know, I thought I broke my foot initially, but now I was being yeah. told that I could possibly lose a leg. So, um, but within the within the thirty seconds of being told and the thought of of going through further surgery and the pain I was in at the time. Um, for me, that wasn't an option. So, I, you know, I basically said, like, whatever you do, take it off, but I don't want MRSA or whatever else is kicking around. <laughs> so that was his promise to me that I wouldn't contract anything while I was in hospital. And, and yeah, I made the decision to have it off, basically. Um, so lost, lost my left leg below the knee. Um, and, yeah, um, I guess the rest is now a little bit of history, I suppose. I, I find it remarkable because... You're saying all this, I mean, obviously you're reflecting now, mm. we're 10 years on, so I suppose it's less painful in lots of different ways now yeah. than it was then, but you just, just so, if it, it just strike me as so philosophical, and I know from the conversations I've had with you before and with the lads at the club, for example, just, you know, you've just taken it all as if um, it's, it's a minor diversion, to use your word from, from earlier. Mm. Um, but one thing that I found most remarkable was that even during your rehab, you were kind of looking for the next opportunity, weren't you? Contacting the ECB and in the hopes of joining the um, the, the England physio, physically disabled squad. Um, so, what what prompted you to do that? Already thinking ahead. So my initial goal was that obviously my leg off was was you know during the rehab process. Um, like I said, sport was the, the mainstay of my life. So I wanted to get back to being as physically able as I could be again, um, get my life back to normal. Um, so I set myself the challenge of being able to walk by Christmas that year. Um, in that period though, I'd obviously sat around not doing very much um, and decided to, to Google, you know, what can I do? You know, I've heard loads of inspiring stories about people who've gone on to become Paralympians and. Um, and never really knew anything about it. And lo and behold, I came across um, uh, the PD squad, England Physically Disabled squad, um, and just couldn't believe that there might be an opportunity for me, one, possibly one day to represent England, um, you know, uh, in, 
you know, in whatever was over the, the, the horizon. Um, I'd seen that they hadn't really done a lot in terms of big games, um, but there were things coming up. Um, so sent an email straight away, want to get involved, uh, what do I do? Um, so the response back to me was basically, get back in touch, as soon as you're fit again, let us know, and we'll, we'll, we'll let you know. Um, roughly about a year and a half, two years later, uh, the, the chairman here at the club, uh, Neil Crocker, had been to lunch, um, and a, a long story short, was told to, to tell me to, you know, to, to attend a trial um, with the squad. So about three months later, I was at a trial, had a few net sessions, um, didn't really know where I was within the squad. It was, uh, they were quite a close-knit team. Um, so I had no idea really if I'd made it or got into it or anything like that. So um, following that, you know, within about four or five months, got the news, got a phone call from the, from the coach at the time, and uh, said, yeah, you'd like to, to invite me to join the squad, which I was really, really uh, impressed with. So it was just that I, I kind of happened upon it, but it, again, that inspired me just to go on and um, get myself fitter than I was before I obviously had the accident. And two tours, Dubai, Bangladesh. Two tours, Dubai and Bangladesh. So you go yeah. from, so first of all, there you are, you've just had your leg amputated below the knee. You're yeah. already pr planning to be uh, able to get around at Christmas, so you don't let your family down, yeah. paraphrasing a little bit. Um, already setting sporting goals for yourself. Now, obviously, as we know, it's easy to set a goal. It's very difficult to follow through. You know, very few people realise those goals because something called life gets in the way, right? Sure. So how do you deal with the setbacks along the way? Because it cannot have been plain sailing. It has been plain sailing, I'll be honest with you. There's, there's times where it, is, it isn't easy, it is tough. Um, but for me, with the upbringing I had, if I think back to, to Plumtree High School, it's a tough school. Um, it was a boarding school that instilled independence in you. Um, and there were times I remember where you'd been in some really dark places. You know, you'd hit times of low where you didn't have your parents or anybody to, to fall back on, you just had your friends around you that you spent you know, months with. Um, so to go through hard times, that area of my life and even before that taught me just to, just to keep the next, the next foot in front of the other one and just keep moving forward. And I think as long as you keep moving forward, you'll always, because you're moving, you're not stationary. Um, and therefore you'll eventually get there. It might take you a little bit longer, but you know, you're not gonna just stop and just dwell on anything. So for, for me, dwelling on it wasn't an option. For me, it was just getting back to normal as soon as possible, uh, making my life as easy as possible for my wife now um, and the family around me. Um, and I didn't wanna be bedridden or in hospital or overweight or anything like that. So for me, it was just, it was just getting back to that normality in life, which is, just been my main my main goal throughout life really I think so far. So how important of your might seem a dumb question, but how important are your network, your your family, your friends, that support network, how important have they been in this rehabilitation process? Oh absolutely um, pivotal really. Um, without them I wouldn't be anywhere I am. And that includes the guys here at the club, the amount of work that they went through support me. I mean, when I had my accident, I had um, a couple of guys, Gary and Sam, you know, they had a, a collection done and, uh, you know, they, they bought me a few gifts and they came out to visit me and, and make sure I was okay and all that sort of stuff. And that for me was huge. Um, 
family-wise, without my wife, her family, my family, um, constantly being there to, to take up any slack that there was, um, I wouldn't be where I am today. So uh, we're sitting here having a conversation, we're talking about how you overcame adversity and how you kind of uh, rethought your goals. And, and it sounds to me as if it was kind of small, little steps along the way. It wasn't kind of thinking too far ahead. You just set yourself, get to Christmas. Yeah then what can I do next? And, you know, set yourself the goal of getting into some kind of sport and there you found yourself in the England squad. Yeah. Um, what, you know, what's next? Any, any other goals that you... Because you don't strike me as the kind of guy who sits still. You know, you're, gonna, you're already pro- probably plotting the next chapter in your life. So what, what does that look like? Oh, um, well, it depends which, which part of my life I'm looking at. If I look at it career-wise, I'm happy doing what I do. Um, what do you do? What do you do now? I'm an instructor, so basically I teach people to operate machines within the, within the waste industry, which is kind of a, another diversion my life took, which I didn't think it was going to take. Um, so for me, it's just it's trying to protect people as much as possible in the work industry that we, it's a high risk environment that we work in. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is that, if you don't mind me interrupting, is that driven in part by what happened to you? Is it kind of a chance to give something back? Maybe that's not the right expression, but did, did that, was that in the back of your mind when you took that opportunity, that job opportunity? It, it is, but was never, I never set it out to be. It, the, the career I've got now kind of, kind of just happened um, through, again, decision making. Um, but it is. Um, I don't tell the guys that I deal with on a day-to-day basis about anything about me, what, what, what I've been through, um, because I don't want to be that guy, you know, um, Look what happened to me, sort mm. of thing. Because um, no one would know, Matt, would they? I mean, you said earlier on you didn't want to walk with a limp. You don't. I try not to. No, I mean it's extraordinary. It's really extraordinary for somebody who's lost, you know, lost their leg below the knee. You, you really have achieved what you set out to achieve, and that that strength of mind must be, you know, kudos to you because you, you know much. you have achieved some extraordinary it. things. Thank you. Um, Thank in in those in those dark moments you know, everyone has them, you in particular, after what happened. In those dark moments, how do you, how do you um, pick yourself up off the floor when you are having a bad day? For me, it's just finding what the, what the alternative is. Um, and th- there's always a silver lining of some kind. So as, as long as you can find that glimmer of a better option and you decide to take that option, it's only going to lead you, you know, you can only fall as far as landing on your back, can't you? So as long as you can get back up in some way, then you can't get any further down. So and I think belief in yourself and being able to do that is, is crucial. Um, and again, for me, it's just moving forward. Um, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Um, and there's always somebody else worse off than you. You know, it's something I constantly tell myself and other people and, there's always somebody who's got a worse, you know, a, a, not a worse situation, but a harder situation than you, you're going through. And you think, well, if they can do it, then why can't I? You know, I've seen people playing golf with on one leg and using one arm, you know, and, and hop around the golf course. So if he can do it, then there's no reason why I can't do it. Yeah, you do have a, as I said before, you do have this incredible, incredibly philosophical approach to life. Um, and from everything I know about you, you've never, you've never really complained about, you know, what's happened, and, and you've dealt admirably with, with, um, with not just historical events, but you know the challenges that you face even today. Um, thinking about the future, and 
your experience, you are a young man, let's be honest, <clears throat> certainly younger than me. Uh, but in all that you've learned so far, mm. you know, it would be fair to say your experience is probably not many of, the, uh, of us would face those in a lifetime. So in that short but uh, very filled life and existence, what, what have you learnt? What's the one kind of lesson that you've learned? Is, is it just about always looking for a better opportunity? Because I love that, by the way. That's one of the most uh, inspirational things we've heard on the podcast for a while, you know, that there is always something better. There is always a silver lining, to use your expression. Mm. Is, that, is that the greatest lesson? Is there, is there more to it than that? Yeah, I mean, over the last... Uh, the last decade, if, if I just use that as a bit of a sandwich, if I like, I, the lessons that I've learned have been far greater than any other time in my life. Um, I'm richer now than I ever was before, and that's not from a financial point of view by any stretch of the imagination, um, but knowledge and understanding of, of myself and what makes other people tick. Um, I've learned a lot from people, whether it be directly or indirectly. Um, I like to... One of the lessons I've, I, I've taken from everything is, is picking the best bits of people that you know, that you like, and that are inspirational for you, and trying to apply those to your own life. Um, and yeah, just, just using the best attributes that you can to, to make yourself better, really. Um, On that subject then, what, what character traits do you identify with the most? You know, What do you like about characteristics in, in people, and what do you think you might dislike? You know, there are certain things that people can take away and try to apply and be better at and there are other things to avoid. I think honesty, people have to be honest with themselves as well as other people. Um, people need to stay humble to themselves and their, and their families as well. Remember where they've, where they've come from and, and who's helped them get there. Um, dislikes, oh, um, I always try to look for the best in people, which is my, one of my downfalls, I think. Um, That's a good way to be. I don't really see, don't a, really see a lot. I try to see bad in people because people have always got reason for, for whatever they do. Um, so dislikes are a difficult one for me. Um, That's all right. We can, yeah. we can keep that yeah. list empty and just add, to, yeah. add positivity, I suppose. That's everything I hear from you. Um, any, any kind of aspirations now? You know, life goals, sporting achievements? Because you still play cricket, right? I do, yeah, I do. Um, I'd like to think one day I could get back into the first team here at the club. Um, still currently playing for the second team. But no, I think just getting back on track with the, with the run scoring, um, aspire to get back into the first team, which is I always want to play the, at, the, at the highest level I can. And if that means playing for the second team or the first team or the England PD squad, who knows? Um, then that's what that's what I look to look to do. Um, Career wise, just seeing where I where I go really, and just seeing what the next chapter is. But yeah. And family wise. Family wise, yeah. Um, so obviously a wife, uh, two daughters, three and five. Um, so trying to you know. We won't share this with anyone. But do you plan for any more? No. No. Okay. No. Does your wife know that? Two's enough. <laughs> two's enough. Actually, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. So, um, and daughters, you need to brace yourself. Yeah. Your biggest challenge is coming up in about ten years from now. I think, I think lining the coffers is going to be on me yeah. for the next uh, the next few years. But um, but no, yeah, um, my, my family and wife obviously the most you know, the important thing for me at the moment. It's just amazing watching them grow up and me trying to impart some of the the little gems of whatever knowledge I've got into them and, and seeing them grow as people is just amazing. Yeah. 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 It's a fascinating journey, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a real toughie now. This is putting you on the spot because it's okay. true to say this is 
this is thrown together, isn't it? And, yeah. I, and I say that the nicest possible way, as yeah. in it's spontaneous. Yes, sure. We haven't re-rehearsed or pre-rehearsed any of these questions. We just kind of I'm still see, <laughs> see the way it goes and, and, and where it takes us. Um, so let's imagine you've got dinner party. Yeah. So Tash has kindly thrown something together for when you get home. But you have a choice to invite three people, inspirational, somebody who served you well in life. Right. Uh, a close family member. People get three three goes at it. Three people that you like sat around the dinner table with you. Who would they be and why? And I know that's putting you on the spot. Yeah. Um, but, um, Henry Longer. Okay. Was a was a childhood uh, sort of hero of mine. Um, was a captain in a, 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 a sort of a, a very high um, achiever in Plumtree as well. So um, I only ever get to meet him once, but I, I definitely have him. Um, Jacques Callas again. I met him once after playing a game in, in London. Um, I just couldn't just couldn't stop, you know, wanting to pick his brains and, and find out more about him because he's just such a normal guy. Um, and finally, I think uh, Nick Luby, actually, thinking about it. Oh, previous guest yeah, on our podcast. Previous, previous guest, definitely. I, there was a lot of stuff that he came out with. I just, like, you know, that struck quite a few chords with me, so I like to pick his brains a bit more. What was it about what he had to say? He'll be dead chuffed listening to this. Yeah, well, just the whole, um, he's got a lot of sort of ways of thinking that I do in terms of technology and how to balance that with current, you know, bringing up a family and, and all the things that go with that and striking that balance where, you know, we, we kind of put that to one side but focus on the reality of life because mm. that, that for me is not an important thing, you know. Um, I'm trying to stave off the technology thing in my house, especially iPads and iPods and you know um, phones and what have you. Good old-fashioned conversation. Absolutely, yeah. Because the, the whole eye contact thing, you know, is important. It, you know, we as a humanity are losing the ability to communicate with each other. I see it day in day out with the stuff I do. People just don't know how to talk to each other. So mm. yeah, definitely like to pick it up. Yeah. Because um, these podcasts have a kind of a business. Um, connection loosely many of our guests run a business entrepreneurial for example somebody who is thinking about starting a business or indeed just getting moving in life whether it's uh, academia whether it's um, venturing out into the big wide world starting a business starting a job again given your life experiences Matt what would you say what, what would be your advice to somebody who's kind of like, you know who's got that in a state of inertia, who doesn't really know what that first step should be, what advice would you give to them? First of all, identify what it is you want. Um, and once you've established that, then just start talking to people. You'd be amazed at what people know, what they don't know. Um, Google isn't always the first port of call for it. It might answer a few questions, but you can't beat people's experiences and what they've been through. Um, and once you've got that, I think the root almost, once you've established that initial nugget or that, uh, what it is exactly you want to achieve, the root kind of takes care of itself. But you've got to be open. Um, you've got to be open to, to criticism and feedback um, and, and take that with a positive twist and turn to your advantage. Um, and then just follow the steps, but then also make the right decisions for, for you at that time. Um, for me, life is all about decisions. It's, it's a yes or no, um, and you all know which one is the right answer to take from that. So, so do it there and then. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. I think. Good answer. Very good answer. So, um, 
This is a question that's quite difficult to ask you because you're a young man. But one thing that we ask all, I guess, I know you're a podcast listener, yes, so yeah. you know what's coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the question is, if you were having a conversation, and this is not very far away from, you know, with your two girls. Yeah. So 15-year-old version of Matt or possibly conversation with your daughter in years to come. And they say, okay, Dad, you know, you get the opportunity to give us one bit of advice for life. Yeah. What would that bit of advice be? Um, don't turn away opportunities based on negative thought. Um, there's been plenty of opportunities in my life where I have uh, maybe stayed away from something or um, not gone to an event or um, not taken an opportunity of some kind because uh, a negative thought would enter my head. What if this or what if that? But the what ifs are nothing. Um, another massive lesson I've learned in life is that worrying about something never changes, it's just a waste of energy. So don't waste your energy worrying about it. If you get an opportunity, try it. You just never know where it might take you. Thought about writing a book? There's enough content here to do one of those. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should. I was going to say, you, you seem to me the kind of guy once somebody sows a seed, that's it. No turning back. So yeah, well, you heard it here first. Uh, Matt's going to write a book. Um, so final, final question, how do we find out more about you? I mean, do you have a web presence? Are you on Twitter? Are you on LinkedIn? Because people will want to connect with you and find out what you're up to, congratulate you on your extraordinary success. I mean, to, to have you know, part of, potentially part of your life, and certainly the, the day-to-day things that we take from granted, taken away from you 10 years ago, mm. to set yourself the goal of you know, getting back on your feet within a number of months, um, and then all the other little goals that you've set yourself, all of which you've achieved, yeah. I mean, is, is remarkable. I know I speak for everyone listening and saying, you know, many congratulations on being a shining light and a great example to all of us. Um, how do we find out more about you? If I'm, anyone on wants social, to connect? I'm on social media. I'm not a massive user, to be honest with you. I try and so we might have to wait a few days for a reply. Separate, yeah. separate myself from that a little bit. Um, so yeah, I'm on, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, a little bit on Twitter, um, and that's pretty much it, really. Okay. Yeah, if not, private message or potential. Or just wait for the book to come out. Or just wait for the book to come yeah. out. Good. Well, um, uh, I would love to go on speaking to you, Matt. It's been great. And I, again, all the boys at the club will be listening to this, going, "Where to go, Matt?" But um, you know, it is extraordinary what you've you've achieved, and okay. and. Although people listening to this are not actually viewing this interview, mm. uh, it is absolutely true what you said. You know, you have turned things around. You you do not walk with a limp. I mean, it's, it is amazing. Um, so you know, if anyone wants to get in touch with with Matt for some inspiration or some advice, particularly if they're having some difficulties right now, then I'm yeah. sure they will be getting in touch with you via social media. Yeah, and then your ki- your kids will give you a load of stick then for saying, "Daddy, you told us." <laughs> um, but it's been fascinating speaking to you. Thank you so much for giving up your time because I know you're a busy chap as well. Um, and every success and continued best wishes for the future. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. That was the Sandro Forte podcast and what a great guest Matt Blamire was. Thanks, Matt. There are many more fantastic guests joining me over the coming weeks, so please make sure you subscribe if you want to pick up some great tips on life and success. Remember, as always, you can follow us on social media at Sandro's Podcast. That's Sandro's with an S. Don't forget, same on all channels. And of course, we'd love to continue to hear your stories, your ideas, challenges, what motivates you, anything at all, really please email me hello at sandrospodcast.com and remember, please leave your reviews on iTunes so we know what you'd like more of in the future. Thank you.